The Late Morning Program with Nam Ras Podcast. Hare Krishna, you are listening to the number one Hare Krishna podcast in the world, the Late Morning Program. I'm here with uh, Srimati, Her Grace, Govinda Dasi, Srila Prabhupada's uh, disciple, senior disciple of Srila Prabhupada. Uh, I'm so excited to have you, uh, Mataji. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for inviting me. Hare Krishna, all glories to Srila Prabhupada. All glories to Prabhupada. So, uh, um, for those of you who don't know, uh, Govinda Dasi Mataji, she uh, is immortalized in the Srimad Bhagavatam. If you've read the Bhagavatam, you will see that she's written there in the purports. Prabhupada has thanked her for for um, her services. So I'm so excited to talk to you uh, about your experiences with Srila Prabhupada, your experiences in the Hare Krishna movement. But let's start out with... How did you come in contact with Prabhupada, and what year was it, and how did you meet devotees? Well, um, it was 1966, and I was a senior at the University of Texas in Austin, studying art and all the other garbage that they teach, you know, regular BA. And I, uh, I was searching. From the time I was very young, I was searching. I traveled in Europe, all over Europe. Uh, when I was 18, I studied art in Europe and traveled and went to many of the um, museums and cathedrals. And I was somewhat uh, disillusioned with uh, churchianity, Christianity as its practice. So I was a kind of a tepid agnostic. But looking at the paintings, paintings done with devotion actually carry a spiritual message. And I really believe that that's one of the things that helped me along my way, was going to all of the cathedrals and art galleries and looking at this. So then when I came back to the University of Texas after traveling in Europe, uh, there was an incident at the University of Texas in 1966. It's the first incident that happened in America where uh, there was a mass shooting. Now it happens every day, every other day at least. But at this is the first time. People were shocked. Nobody had ever heard of such a thing. And it was very jarring to the students. Uh, I mean, I was driving to class. I had the police stop me as I was. And so soon after that, me and my husband-to-be, Gorsandar, left the university in search of a guru, in search of a teacher, in search of truth, because obviously the truth wasn't being taught at a major university. I mean, this is like, at the time I went to the university, the president's daughter was going to the school. So it was wow. a prestigious school. However, and then, of course, there was the war in Vietnam was going on. There was all kinds of social unrest. But that really wasn't my concern. I had found a little book on yoga, a tiny little book. Back, I mean, nowadays, people think, oh, there's a yoga studio on every corner. Nobody even heard of that word except maybe in New York or someplace. Right. Somehow or other, I connected deeply with it, and I started meditating. And 
On Thanksgiving Day of 1966, uh, Gorsundar, Gary at that time, we drove away from the university. We, just, we, went, we didn't even know where we were going to go. It's almost mystical because we ended up in California and Hake Ashbury uh, right before Prabhupada arrived there for the first time. Wow. So I was doing my meditation. I know it's, it's, it's like, um, like many of the early devotees, I compare it to a lotus blooming and flocks of bees just head for that. But they don't even know that that's why they're going there, but they're just attracted by the aroma. And so that's kind of how I always saw it because we didn't really know where we were going to go. We were like discussing Canada, Mexico, California. We didn't really know when we drove away from Austin. We just kind of ad-libbed it, you might say. And when you're able to do that when you're 20 years old. So we got to California and uh, I was very turned off by the hippie scene. We weren't hippies. And uh, we, we, we rented a little place near Hake Dashbury, near the soon-to-be temple. And I continued my meditation every day in the forest. There was many forests. There's Golden Gate Park, where they have the big Rathiatra. There's a number of beautiful forested parks. So I always just go and sit and meditate for eight hours every day. And I had this little yoga book that said, when the chela is ready, the guru will appear. And that's, I guess, from the Patanjali Yoga Sutras. Mm. And so I was not really realizing that I was trying to make myself ready. We were already vegetarian. We were following principles. We were like already even celibate. You know, we were like both of us were searching. So some time went on. We got there in December and Jan oh, January, and then in January, there was a something called a human being. It was a big, they called it the gathering of the tribes. It was a huge event where there were thousands of young people and mostly hippies and flower children and the, the whole bit. It so happened that uh, Ginsburg was there. Ginsburg was uh, promoting the Hare Krishna mantra. And we went and I heard the mantra for the first time. I never heard it before, but somehow or other, I felt something. And then a few days later in my meditation, I felt like I needed to find some clues. I went to a little bookstore. There were, uh, in those days, there were hippie bookstores where they had very flashing, colorful things. And for some reason, it was almost like I was led by a rope, just led by a string in the heart, you might say, to a little card table with these very plain little booklets, mimeographed, that said Back to Godhead. They were, they were stapled together. They had no color. There was like one color, just extremely plain. And so I picked one up and started reading it. And it was about karma, samsara, all that, which already I was a little familiar with this from studying a little bit of Buddhism, from reading different things. I was familiar with that concept. And I picked up the next one. And when I picked up the next one, there was Hayagriva's article, 
about meeting Prabhupada on the street in New York City. And the way it was written was so extraordinary. It was like painting a picture. He described him walking down the street in the early morning smog with pointy-toed shoes like a genie popped out of a lamp with his saffron robes and golden complexion smiling. And uh, I don't really know what happened to me at that moment. I just know that um, suddenly I was transported into another reality and I saw Prabhupada in my, I'd been meditating. So I was familiar with the third eye opening and all that stuff. And I saw him and he was beckoning to me. And I stood there in the store with tears running down my say, saying, I found him. I found him at last. I found him. Wow. That's how I met Prabhupada. And so then I look at the address, 518 Frederick Street. Okay, that's a few blocks away. And I went head over there. And I met Hayagriva and Makunda, a couple of other devotees. And the temple had only been opened a couple of days. And they made an appointment for me the next morning. And there it was. It was like I already knew. I mean, from the moment that happened, I didn't know the I don't know the word for this. I think it's called a sporty. Hmm. Later on, I found out there's a Sanskrit word, but that's only in the last couple of years. But it's very real. And if it happens, you're never the same again. It's like the most real thing that ever happens to you in your life. So wow. I already knew he was my guru. I, I mean, there was no question in my mind that it was just a matter of finding him. And so the next morning, uh, me and Gary went to see him. And he was sitting in a little room uh, in an apartment. Makunda let us in. And it was like one of those little one-bedroom apartments with a little bay window in San Francisco. And he was sitting, you know, in a rocking chair. He liked rocking chairs. And he asked us questions. And he asked us, what have you been studying at the university? He asked many questions because he was studying Western culture at that time. This is 1966, remember? Well, no, it was now, by now it's 1967, January. January, yeah, because we came right before the uh, big mantra rock dance. And that right. was, I think it was in, in January. Uh, our first service was putting up flyers on telephone poles for the mantra dance. So that was, uh, and so when we met him, he asked us many questions. He studied how Western culture was. At one time he asked, so, he asked my husband to be, Gorsener, uh, can you drive? Yes. He asked me, can you drive? Yes. Had a car since I was 16. Typical <laughs> American. Uh, can you swim? Yes. Oh, yeah. I was trained in swimming when I was 12 years old. You know, all of these questions, like, about the culture, so he could understand how to promote the culture, his, his ISKCON. Wow. Iskan wasn't really born yet. Iskan was on paper, I think he had it in, uh, in New York in 1966, but it wasn't really much. It, this was his first trip to San Francisco. And this temple consisted of a little storefront that had been opened a few days before. 
So that's what happened. At the time, there was the Vietnam War going on. Now, my husband, Gersinder, had left school. And as soon as you leave school, you're a sitting duck for the draft at right. that time. And he did not want to go. So a lot of the discussion that took place was how, about not wanting to go to that war in Vietnam that was just another political scheme. And he, and uh, so there was a lot of anxiety. He had a lot of anxiety around that. And I had anxiety as well because, you know, I didn't want him to go off to Vietnam. But the main thing was that we just didn't, we were lost. We didn't know we were seniors at a university and we didn't know what life was about. And so he, I told him that and he said, I told him I've traveled all over Europe. I've studied here and there and all that. And he raised his eyebrows and said, oh, you're so young yet you've traveled so much. <laughs> and uh, I was, uh, I replied, yes, but none of it has made me happy. And he got a huge smile on his face and said, ah, yes, that is required. Wow. In other words, Burnout, America. You know we've had it all, and yeah. you, you, nothing has nothing has really. Been. So then, well, one second. He was he was he was asking you questions about your about what you had done, like just normal things in your life to understand what the yes. young people were doing. Yes, yes. That's amazing because he was trying to create a society and to preach in a certain way. So he was trying to figure out, kind of get like a, a temperature yes. of what was going on. Yes. Yeah, because you see, he came from India and it's a totally different culture. Right. And uh, America, I mean, I was an average American girl. Of course, I knew how to swim, drive, was going to college, you know. So he, this is, I think, one reason he was, he wanted to know how he could preach in America, how to do this here right. in this culture, because his, his mission is to spread the holy name. His mission was Chaitanya's movement. So every culture is different. I mean, I'm sure if you go to Italy, the culture is different there. You mm -hmm. might want to have spaghetti, prasadam, and right. you go to, China, you might want to have noodle prachata. You know what I'm saying? It's sort of like like that. Right. That it was like a, um, he wanted to know what we were like, what we were doing, what our life was like. So mm -hmm. many things, so personal. Anyway, after all of this, like I said, a great deal of anxiety was there because we felt so lost, so confused. And Gorsiner was like, any minute he would be drafted. That's what it was like. Any minute. At the end of this uh, meeting, which didn't take more than half an hour or so, he, it was like he listened to all the anxieties and then he gave his verdict. You simply come to my classes every morning and evening and all problems will be solved. Wow. And we believed him. <laughs> we believed him. <laughs> we believed him. I, that was it. All problems will be solved. And guess what? He was right. So we began, we began uh, the next morning going to his classes every day. And we were initiated, oh, within a week or two, we were initiated. And then 
uh, he also said, my students cannot, you must get married. So he married us in front of the fire. And uh, because at the, in those days, people didn't, well, some people did get married, I guess, but we hadn't gotten married. It, the legal part wasn't so, it was the spiritual part that he, he wanted. All, he said, all of my students, if they live together, and I said, but we're not, we're not sleeping together. We're, we're, you know, that doesn't matter. <laughs> you have to get married anyway, if you live together. So we were already together for about a year. So we got married and, uh, and then we went to his classes every day for, and he was there about two months and it was a whole new world for us. It was like consuming. He immediately had me start painting paintings. He see, it's very important he when when people first become devotees they have to dovetail their talents because right. that way they get a taste their psychophysical nature he wrote a letter to rupanuga about this once about the psychophysical nature uh, enables one to get a taste for devotional service so immediately he gave me an um, he gave me an order to paint a big painting for the temple, and while I was painting the painting, my husband read all of his. There were only three books available then, the first three the volumes of that he brought with him, yeah. the ones he brought in his trunk. I mean, right. most people have to understand he brought a trunk of books and seven dollars to America, at seventy two years old. I mean that's. And started a worldwide movement. And Amazing. you know, even even today, when I go into temples, I'm still amazed. At, even just recently, I was reading Shyam Sundar's book, uh, so, some of the things that he did in India. Oh, yeah. and I look and I go, how could I have even known such a person? How could I have met such a person? I, I don't know. I, I certainly didn't quite wasn't qualified. So that's what happened. And then we went with him to New York uh, because we didn't have anything in San Francisco. We had no particular, after painting a couple of paintings and Shamsinder carved the uh, Jagannath deities and Prabhupada installed them. And then he left for New York. And so we were like, well, can we go too? And he said, sure, come on. And so we found a ride uh, with some hippies and drove cross country. To, I mean, we had an hour to get ready. <laughs> and that's how we, we traveled to New York. And then we met the devotees in New York. It was a very different scene. It right. was uh, more, more mature, much more mature uh, because they had been studying with Prabhupada for a year. Uh, Swamiji. He was still being called Swamiji at that time. Right, right. He was our our Swamiji. He was not Prabhupada yet. That didn't happen that's, until '68. That's what. That's why yeah. I, you know, I hear some devotees say, "Oh, this person's a senior Prabhupada disciple, and that person is senior Prabhupada." But, but I think a really senior Prabhupada disciple is the ones who used to call him Swamiji because it was such an early time, yeah. like it was before it Prabhupada was. even. Yeah. Yes, he didn't accept the name Prabhupada until Boston. And the way that happened was that my husband by then was, his, he was by nature a scholar. 
He was studying mm -hmm. Sanskrit and Bengali. He was doing the transliteration for Chaitanya Charitamrita. I was wow. typing the tapes and he was doing transliteration. And he was, you know how there's suffixes and prefixes in Sanskrit yeah. and in Bengali? He One day, I was sitting in Prabhupada's room taking dictation because that was my job. I took dictation of his letters. I mean, I spent three or four years in college writing really fast so I could do it. So it was some use. Oh. I guess that's the only use of my college education, right? <laughs> that I was able to take fast dictation. So... Gorsinder came to the door and said, uh, Swamiji, is it okay if I call Govindadasi Govindaji? <laughs> and I said, and, and, and Prabhupada's Swamiji said, no, G is a very third-class form of address. Oh, so wow. I said, I said, third-class form of address? Well, then how come we're calling you Swamiji? Well, that's not working. And so he said, oh, it's not very important. I said, oh, yes, it is important. It's very important. What's, what's, what's a first-class form of address? Oh, it's not very important. Never mind. Not very important. Never mind. But we really don't want to call you a third-class form of address. So right. please, please tell us what's a really best possible nice name we can call you, if you know, if better than Swamiji. And he said, Guru Dev, Guru Maharaj, or Srila Prabhupada. And I said, wow. well, that's three. Just give me one. <laughs> and he said, he said, Srila Prabhupada is nice. I said, from today, you will be called Srila Prabhupada. And he was. Great. Oh, my and goodness. So, I love that. And so from then on, we I just told, I was the secretary. We were in Boston at the time. Satsuit was running the temple there. And uh, that was in May of 68. He accepted, he chose that name. I did not give it to him. Some people say that. It's not true. He chose of those three. If he had said Guru Maharaj, that's what I would have said. So, so he became Srila Prabhupada. And, and that was uh, much better than Swamiji. And we all got used to it. And oh, very incidentally, and this is kind of important, uh, at the same time that he said, he gave the meaning of Srila Prabhupada. The meaning of Srila Prabhupada, according to him, is the, the lotus feet at whose shelter all the, Prabhupada, all the Prabhus take shelter at his lotus feet. So right. you are all the Prabhus who have taken shelter of the Prabhupada. I am the Prabhupada, and you are all the Prabhus that have taken shelter. So you should all call one another Prabhu. And so he had me, Gorsinder called me Govindadasi Prabhu. I called him Gorsinder Prabhu. And if you go back, you'll see many letters where dear Malati Prabhu, dear uh, Hemavati Prabhu, Prabhupada oh. writing letters like that. In the very early days, there was none of this Mataji stuff. That oh, did not exist. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I grew up. I grew up with the Mataji thing in the '80s. So I'm. I'm sorry about I that. I <laughs> oh, I don't care. I don't care. It doesn't matter. But, but unfortunately, right. the Mataji thing has taken on 
a lot of bad connotations because of the way so many women were treated. I didn't experience right. that myself. I had a different, I was in, I was there at a different time, but right. other people did. But I, I can tell you clearly that what his definition of Prabhu is, is those Prabhus who have taken shelter of the Prabhupada. So whenever you say, you're not a Prabhu, you're a Madhiji, you just disenfranchised me. You see my <laughs> right. point? <laughs> yeah, That's I see. That's what she just did. So, I see your point. So I don't care personally, but... Right. Uh, and, and then I think also in Indian culture, Prabhu is used uh, for a male, right. like the husband or something. And so that's not acceptable. They say, oh, a woman can't be called Prabhu. Well, you know, Prabhupada came from Indian culture, and that's what he said. And that's if you want the proof of it, all you have to do is go back and look at all the letters he wrote. He wrote letters right. of Malati, dear Malati. And when he saw us, Malati Prabhu, how are you today? Himavati Prabhu, how are you doing today? And the reason he did this, I have analyzed. This is my speculation now. None of this other <laughs> stuff is my speculation. But you want my speculation on it is that this was an encouraging us to all treat one another with respect. Right. Treat one another with respect so that there wouldn't be quarrels and there wouldn't be uh, the kind of division that we see now. You see mm. so much division. You know? Anyway, yeah. that's my speculation. But, but wow. uh, I, I'm sure a lot of devotees will be happy to hear hear this part of the story. <laughs> you know, people fighting for for the ladies to get their prabhu, uh, you know, suffix. So, thank you for sharing that. Well, it's it's pretty well known amongst the really old devotees. It's, and right. I mean, very well known. I mean, uh, you'll find if you're around senior devotees, they almost automatically call one another Prabhu. Right. They just, they were so used to it. That's all. Yeah. And then somebody changed it somewhere along the way. So many right. changes. I <clears> mean, <throat> it's just the nature of this world, you know, uh, the book changes. Now, that's a big one. The, yeah. the Prabhu thing doesn't bother me, but the book changes, that bothers me a lot because Prabhupada spoke those books. And right. that's what you have to understand. Those are his words. And the word, uh, he himself gave the definition of uh, Arsha Prayog. Arsha mm. Prayog means whatever the saint has spoken, it's set in concrete. It cannot be changed. Right. That's his 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 spiritual masters Brahma Samhita. They wanted to edit it. There's a famous you can find this on your database, and Prabhupada said you cannot even change a period. You cannot even change a period in it. it wow. There is the print. He said, Prabhupada said, there is the principle of Arsha Prayog. Never change the words of the Acharya. So. There's a lot to be said for that situation. Um, yeah. And now I think a lot of devotees are realizing that the, the original books are, are full. They're so full of bhakti. Just like right. the original paintings. Like they took a bunch of the paintings out and Prabhupada actually said, why have you removed those paintings? They were full of bhakti. And 
a painting can be full of bhakti and maybe not as being an artist, not as technically expert as another one, but it's the feeling that comes through. And he he loved the paintings for the original Krishna book. He loved those. And he loved many of the paintings were because the truth is we were like his hands. We were just American children. We were the Angas and the Upangas, the, the hands and the legs. It was his bhakti that was going into those paintings, his bhakti that was going into those books. It was it was not ours. We were just children. Right. We were very I'd like undeveloped. To, I'd like to ask you on the subject of change. We you have seen Iskon from the very beginning until now. What is your what is your outlook or what is your opinion of of, of what things, the good and the bad and things have changed. How do you feel about it? Do you feel inspired, hopeful for the future or do you feel like it's going in the wrong direction? Tell us a little bit about, because because not many people have seen the things that you've seen. There's probably a handful of devotees who have started from the very beginning, 1966 till 2021. You know, it's like a very long time. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm an optimist. First of all, yeah. Uh, Prabhupada talked about you have to remember. Okay, Prabhupada was living in tiny apartments. We barely had money enough for basic things like rent and food. And Prabhupada would talk to me sometimes two or three hours every day because I would take dictation. He loved to talk, and I loved to listen about how he was going to have a world Sankirtan party. He talked to me about Lurchatana's movement, how it would go to every town and village. He predicted so many things. I have no doubt that it's going to go on. None whatsoever. Whatever is happening right now, very temporarily in ISKCON, will be corrected in due course of time. That's my opinion. Yes, there are some serious problems. There's some serious things astray. But I think what we need to look at is the time frame. Now, I sent you several things today. I sent you things that he had said, right? Right, right. Uh, he said the whole thing will be finished in 50 years. It's about to be finished. And that's what we have to come to grips with. We need to realize what he was telling us. Prabhupada came to escort us to the golden age. He came to protect us and escort us and teach us. And right now the world is, if you know what's going on in the world, and I'm sure you do, a crisis everywhere. And when you mean finished, when he meant finished, what does that mean exactly? Well, did you read the things that I sent you about yes, I, the banking, the banking, the banking right. will be finished. The whole thing will be finished in 50 years. Uh, what was the other one? Uh, uh, um, pull it up. There were, there were like three of them that I sent you. Uh, 
Uh, you know what? I think I have to turn on a light. It's getting kind of dark. It's after yes. Sunset. Yeah, please. Can you please wait? Do. Just, can, let me yeah, just no turn problem. on a light right quick. Yeah. So there's. That's good. Is that better? Yeah, that's better. Thank you. So you there was on. Maybe Fang I should thing. put one more light on. Sure, you can put another one. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So there was the uh, banking, the the what's what's called the fanking, the artificial way of banking that will collapse. Yeah. Yeah. There. Yeah, it's collapsing right now. You might have noticed. Did you notice the stock market in the last couple of days? It went six hundred points down. Right. Um, yeah. What we have to understand is that what's going on in the world right now is. In one sense, yes, it's being driven by the Rakshasas. It is. Mm -hmm. But in a higher sense, it's also, it's being, uh, this is, this is, this is the, the change. This is the, this is the end of Western civilization as we know it. And Prabhupada told us it was coming many times. When I was first with him, did you read my offering, my tributes offering? I don't know if you I did, yes. It was beautiful. Well, he would talk about these things a lot in those days. Really? Really a lot. He would, uh, I mean, this is 1968. Okay. One of the things he would talk about was your, your paper money will be worthless, like toilet paper. Only gold has value and silver and grains, and land. This paper will be valued. Now, the gold standard wasn't even removed from the American dollar until 1971. But Prabhupada could foresee, and this is the point I'm making, he could foresee everything that was happening in this culture. He, was, he actually came here to teach us, train us, spread the movement all over the world. And he said many times in the latter part of his life, I have not completed my mission. I still wanted to do Varnashram, and he right. was focused on farms and devotees getting out of the cities. This is something he talked about so many times. And at the very beginning, when I was with him, of course, most devotees don't know a lot of these things because they were not recorded. 
We right. didn't have a recorder. I bought a, my mother bought a recorder in 68. And that's when we really started getting recordings going. And that was in 68. Wow. But uh, there, that was, we couldn't afford tapes for around, you know, like later, everything was recorded. That's why I got the baby database. But Prabhupada talked about a lot of things that weren't recorded. But you have to hear them from a Chutananda or Shamsunda or Brahmananda or Rukunuri, like that. Yeah. And there, because we don't forget these things. I mean, when you're around your guru, you don't forget these things. They're very powerful. They stay in your mind. And I would walk in the room and he would be glowering and say, I do not very much like this Western civilization. Do you like this Western civilization? And what do I know? I'm like a 20-year-old kid. I don't know anything else, but he would tell me how the whole thing is going to collapse within 50 years. And this is recorded on the database. Mm. He's talking about the, the banking system, the banking. And one very interesting part is there's, there's one discussion, and I actually have the dates of these, these. So people can look them up. May 15th, 1973. He said, everything will be finished within 50 years. And this is 1920, This is 2021, by 2023. He also said this banking system will be finished. And uh, that was, he said that January 21st, 1977. So he said these things and, and, and he, 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 some people couldn't handle them. There was a devotee who took over the service after me who became his servant and his secretary after he sent us to Hawaii in 1969. He sent us to Hawaii in 1969 to open temples after having been with them since 1967. And then he came and stayed with us for a month in, in Hawaii in 1969. That was wonderful. And then he left and it was kind of like after that everything just kind of took off with ISKCON I mean he flew around the world a bunch of times it's very very exciting because I wasn't there for that part I love reading Shamsinder's book because he was right. or uh, another thing is these these uh, pro following Prabhupada following Srila Prabhupada by Yadabar and Vishaka yeah so wonderful. You get to travel with him. You get to see him landing in the airports all over the world. It's so inspiring. In fact, my mother watched it every day for the last year of her life and ended up chanting Hare Krishna before she left. So Wow. So, How old was um, she? 101. Amazing. Wow. 101. She left on Makara Sankranti at 108 a.m. Wow. She was special. What did she what did she yeah, think she of when you joined the Krishna Conscious movement? Your her your parents, what did they think of the whole thing? Well, of course they uh would rather I would be a normal American kid. Right. I mean, <laughs> what is this crazy Indian stuff? But my mother loved me very much. And so <laughs> she came to San Francisco in 1967, sat through several lectures and an initiation. And after Prabhupada did the, uh, you know, he would stop and put his shoes on at the door. Uh, it's customary. Uh, that's what he would, he would leave his shoes at the door and then he would come into the temple. 
Yeah. And he would start, he stopped to put his shoes on. And it's a custom in Christian churches that the minister stands by the door and shakes the hands of each person as they're going out. So she thought that's what he's doing. So she shook his hand and told him what a nice sermon it was. So, wow. you know, yeah, she was, she's very fortunate. Yeah, you know, she definitely was very fortunate. Plus, she bought the tape recorder that 1968 big year. I mean, back in those days, tape recorders cost a lot of money. It was a big year that had seven inch reels or five inch reels. And then I would record him every day singing and then you could dub he would dub the drum over i don't know if you ever heard it's called a vintage series or the harmonium series where i would record him yeah. playing the harmonium and singing then I he would have me put the tape on and dub it uh, dub the drum over it and then he would talk about the prayer you've probably heard these so you know people all over the world have benefited from from her service in that way wow. So, Amazing. So I was grateful. Yeah, very grateful. For can that. you tell us? But anyway, can you tell us a little bit mm -hmm. about um, Hawaii and and tell us about the how you that you're the first person that grew Tulsi in in the Western world. Well, I was always wondering what this Tulsi was, and when I would make pro, I would clean his room in the morning. Sometimes his bees would be sitting there, you know, half hanging out, maybe, and I'd put them back in and. They were just glistening, gorgeous, beautiful, golden beads that glowed with some kind of incredible spiritual essence. So I was wanting some Tulsi beads from the very beginning. I don't know if you know what the beads were we were initiated with. This big red thing. Have you yes. seen pictures of them? Yes, I've seen pictures. Uh, you yeah. Can, you, yeah, you could slug somebody with those if you had a feed bag. They, they weighed five pounds. So anyway, um, I didn't like them. And I wanted Tulsi beads. And one time, me and Gorsinder were in New York. And we called, We went to an Indian import store. And the guy assured us there were Tulsi beads. They were little dark brown things, right? And so mm -hmm. we brought them back to Prophet and said, we've got Tulsi beads. And he looked at him. Well, not Tulsi, but that was before I, I would, I had seen his beads. That was right. really her. Then later, when I was be making his bed, I saw his beads. I knew what they looked like, but I didn't know them. So I'm, there was we were in Hawaii, and I had this desire, and uh, Krishna knew that I had this desire, and so there was an, a lady in an import store, a British lady, and she was. Uh, very sarcastic, actually, about everything about India. But never mind. I asked her to get me some seeds, and she did. She went to, to India every year. She had an, you know, she brought things back. So I yeah. tried planting them, but they didn't grow. But we were like really sincere. We were bowing down to a blade of grass for a few <laughs> weeks before we realized. It. Before we realized, it was just a blade of grass. It was just a weed, you know. <laughs> And so, I know. So then, so then the second batch she bought grew. They're little heart-shaped leaves, and um, we were really excited. And then, then shortly thereafter, I went to see Prabhupada in L.A. And I had one about uh, about this high, about six inches high, two seedlings. Yeah. yeah. Which is highly illegal, but anyway, I got them there, and I brought them to him, and he was so happy. 
It was at the time whenever there was a lot of trouble with, uh, uh, there were the leaders causing all that trouble in New Vrindavan. I don't know if you ever heard of that, but sure, we were course. in Hawaii. We didn't, we didn't know anything about it. We were off it. We were in Hawaii. So in yeah. those days, there was no internet, no phones, almost no, no communication. And so his servant afterwards told me, because he talked for about an hour and he was so happy. He says, I haven't seen him like this. I haven't seen him like this in months. He's been so disturbed. And, uh, you know, because of the politics. But when he had the, he was holding the Tulsi plant, he became totally enlivened. And, and uh, I, I still didn't know the significance of the Tulsi plant. And the yeah. truth is, I didn't even know that he had put it in the Bhagavatam until I was reading one day and I was shocked. I'm like, wow. <laughs> you I didn't know that, that you were in there? Nope, didn't know, didn't know. Not <laughs> years later, I, I was reading, I didn't even know, you know. It's like, I didn't understand. Try to uh, see, for him, this meant I can introduce deity worship all over the world. That's yeah. what it meant. Because yeah. I was sending out seeds, I was sending out, um, he had me, I wrote a book about how to grow. And uh, the way that I found out how to grow is I would go to the uh, library at night to find books for my husband, who was a scholar. And uh, there was an East-West Center in um, in Hawaii that had Bhaktivedanta's books, Bhaktivedanta, so many books. And I found one called Furminger's Garden in, in India. And it had the botanical name and how to grow. And I'm like, ah, yeah, that's it. So wow. I was able to find that. It's all Krishna's arrangement. I, I really didn't even know what I was doing. But I think that's true of all of us. We just went along with whatever Krishna provided for us you know, to do. But I think it's very important. And I don't, I, I really want to stay on topic so far is sure. this is concerned and the sure. reason is that many many people are really in anxiety and fear and concerned and they don't know what's going on even devotees they don't know what's going on they're bewildered they're they're living in fear of a virus or of a this or of a that what we need to understand is we need to go back to basics and hear what Prabhupada had to say he told us it's coming he told us the economy will collapse. He told us the whole Western civilization will collapse. He made it very clear many times. I mean, he told me things that other people never heard, probably because he realized that Americans could not digest, especially young Americans, right. could not digest the idea that there might be no food in the cities and the dogs might be running in packs and eating the people. But these are things he told me with, his, with my own ears. I heard them. And so what we need to understand right now that we are in a critical time. We are in a critical time. Devotees need to get out of the cities as soon as possible. I personally am concerned. I'm an old lady. I can go at any time. But I'm concerned for Prabhupada's legacy. I'm concerned mm -hmm. for the devotees, for the children, for the, the for for things. Of course, it will go on because Lord Chaitanya predicted it, and it will go on. But there's the golden age. This is the 
dark passageway to the golden age. We're not saying it's bad. I'm not being negative. I'm saying this is what he told us was coming. Mm. And in order for the golden age to come in, even I found out Srila Bhakti Sananta talked about this too, how the Western civilization would have to be finished in order for the golden age to come in. And so that's what we have to understand that this is what's happening. And it's happening by in many different ways, uh, natural disasters, bioweapons, probably there will be a war. Prabhupada said many times after the war, the preaching will be very good. And what you have to understand is the cities are the focus of the depopulation, not the countryside. The cities are you still there? Looks like we lost you there. I was going to say Mataji, but probably shouldn't say Mataji. Uh, Govindadasi Prabhu, we lost you there. Are you still there? Uh, for, those, for those of you who don't know, she lives out in the wilderness, I believe somewhere near Texas, and she's using satellite internet. She's not even on a normal internet. That's why her connection is a little, um, looks like bandwidth a little bit less. Anyway, uh, fascinating person, personality. She'll rejoin, I hope. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, first devotee to grow Tulsi. She grew Tulsi and then she brought it illegally into L.A. to to Prabhupada. And then he, you know, they just, she was sending seeds everywhere and growing, asking devotees to grow Tulsi and teaching them how to. Amazing. Okay, I think we have her back here. Okay, and you're back. No problem. I'm back. It's uh, it's my internet connection. I don't yes, think I it's Google. That. Uh, it's it's not Google censoring, although it could be. But, uh, <laughs> I, it, it was that the exact exact moment you were saying you're. <laughs> know, you know. <laughs> anyway, please continue. I know, like, oh boy, are they are they watching me that closely? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Right, right. I'm just, I'm just a little old lady, you know. Anyway, <laughs> Prabhupada told us that this was coming, and it's important for devotees to understand this. So many of them are bewildered. They don't know. They don't know what's going on. So many friends, families, they, they're being, they're being deceived, and and there is definitely a depopulation going on. But what's really interesting is this: there is this one. Um, thing that I sent you today where Prabhupada talks about uh, he talks about how how long you can be cheated and right. one devotee says to him oh it's been going on from time immemorial and Prabhupada says no not time immemorial just the last 200 to 300 years so wow. that's what's happening the last 200 to 300 years what happened? The Industrial Revolution, the fanking, the families that control everything, the wars, the uh, Western civilization. 
And so, that so he- is hearing Prabhupada's instructions from him and and all these um I can kind of like ominous uh things that he said what do you suggest to the devotee community that we should do to to I guess protect ourselves or to uh heed protect to your children what- and the legacy protect the children and the legacy get books I don't know if there's going to be internet that you know after the war Prabhupada actually said there wouldn't even be cars after the war. Get books. Get live hard copy books. Boxes and boxes of them. Get food. Store food immediately. You should be ordering rice, beans, all these things. And and learn how to store them. Be a prepper. Get out of the cities. Get out of the cities as soon as you can, especially California, Oregon, and Washington, and those places. You should get out of the cities because the cities, uh, you know, all these things that he said, uh, they went right into my, they didn't make me depressed. They didn't, it didn't sound negative. It was just, it was just that he's saying that this is what's coming and I want you to be protected. And so he encouraged the farm communities, but the farm communities got lost after he left. So many things got lost after he left. So many of his projects got lost after he left. That's what happens. It always does in every every religion. I mean, so, so what also, we need to- also to, to play devil's advocate here also, uh, he said to preach into in the cities and he also established temples in, in the cities and things like that. He did. I mean, it's he not, did. It's not such a long time ago. So how do you how do in you reconcile night, in, that? In 1976, he sent out a letter to all the temples that all of the householder couples should move to the t- farms. The letter oh. was hit, was lost. The the brahmacharis, yes, the preaching centers. He told us to do both. He and yeah. t- toward the end of his life, he was talking regularly about getting land, getting farms. He, look what he did in Mayapur, you know, a huge huge project. Um, he encouraged the devotees to get situated away from dependence on modern civilization. Your oil civilization will be finished. Those are statements he made. Right. I've and, heard that. Uh, and your, your thanking system will be finished. All these things. We're so, and I mean, I grew up in the West. I don't know anything different. I've never lived on a farm really. So, uh, it's, it, it, but these are the things he was trying to do. And yeah. after he left this world, there's money in the cities. They didn't want to move to the farms because there's lots of money in the cities doing the pick, selling books, so many things. And that's where Iskan went astray. That was really where Iskan went astray because mm. when now we, we didn't focus on the farms. Right. And now, it's hitting the fan right now within this next year you will see it it's already happening mm. and there were, and one of the things he also said that this is recorded too what will you do when your cities are closed there was a devotee who was saying oh i've been in all this big preaching program and i'm not, i didn't send you that one because i couldn't find it but if if somebody who's really smart can research it where a devotee is saying he's doing all these big plans of a preaching private. And Prabhupada's response was, 
What will you do when the cities are closed? He knew this was coming and it is coming. The cities will be closed. Uh, I mean, already look what's happening in Australia. So what we have to do at this point, we're not ready, but I would encourage all of the devotees right now, get out of the major cities, especially Los Angeles, New York, major cities, uh, try to find a place with like-minded devotees yep. in the countryside and store food and water and grains and grow a garden if you can. So this, I mean, um, I think that's one reason I'm still here. My, my mother has left me 160 acres of land. So I'm like, okay, I guess I got to figure out how to be a farmer now at 75. That is going to be difficult. But wow. I, but I real I realize that 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 this is something Prabhupada wanted, and that many there will be refugees. There will be people who don't have any food or any place to go. He told he said that too. He said there will be no employment, and they will all come to our farms, and they will become devotees, uh, because they will come to our farms. But that was when he thought there were going to be a lot of farms, but a lot of farms didn't manifest on the ones that remained. Well, New Vrindavan is there. And I think Kidanagri is there. There are some yeah. really good farms in Hungary and Europe and India, I think. Yes. Yes, but, there are. Um, not, not so much America, uh, but it's, it, it's really imminent at this point within the next year for sure. So. I mean, I, people I, could, I, people could, I just want to, I just want to ask you, um, what do you? What would you say to those devotees who are saying, "Well, you're you're," I'm not saying I'm not saying this about you, but you're you're being a conspiracy theorist essentially, saying these kind of saying these very, you know, not so popular views on 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 things. What would you say to that? Well, uh, excuse me, these are not my ideas. Right. Prabhupada spoke them. He's the conspiracy theorist, not me. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's right, the one that point. predicted all. He predicted all these things, right. and and if you don't want to, I mean, I guess stay in the cities then and see what happens. You know, nobody's <laughs> gonna. I mean, a lot of people are gonna die. There's gonna be millions of people die. Uh, there was one saint in Vrindavan who said that by 2025, 75 percent of the world population would be gone. And it won't just be from war. It'll be from a lot of different things. Uh, look at the national disasters that are happening. I mean, yeah. from the astrological point of view, you being Indian, you probably know a little bit about astrology, don't you? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, so you know what Sadasati is. Every Indian yeah. in India knows what Sadasati is. Well, I, I grew, I'm an American. I grew up and I was born and raised here. So I look Indian, but I'm actually American. <laughs> Uh, through and Actually, through, but I don't know what I don't know what that is. Please tell us. A B C D. You're an American born yes. confused <laughs> Exactly. I didn't know that you knew what that was. <laughs> of course I do. I've okay, traveled no, with it. Indians. I know. I'm right, right. I'm, uh, I'm an uh, I'm an American born previous deshi. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, anyway. Uh, what were, you, what were you just asking me? Uh, sati, the, something sati. Sata sati means seven years of, of 
difficulty when Saturn crosses over the moon. And there's a famous story of astrologers that Lord Shiva said, oh, what is that? I'm not going to pay attention. So he hid down in the earth for seven years and Shani couldn't find him, Saturn. Anyway, the point is that America, countries have times of birth just like humans do. And America has entered Sadasati, the difficulty, the seven years of difficulty. And, and that has already happened. It's pretty obvious wow. um, with the bio-warfare that's going on, with the, all the things that we've seen happen in the last year. The people are in difficulty in so many ways. And I mean, this is, I, I don't want to get too much into astrology, but if anyone is interested, Petita Pavana, my godbrother, who was initiated in 1968, is an excellent astrologer and he is in bulgaria he's an american he's in bulgaria he predicted every bit of this in october 2019 i read wow. his astrological newsletter exactly february 20th was whenever that was going to happen i thought it was going to be a war a bomb in february yeah. 20th but it wasn't it was the virus which is like a war it's like a right. bomb. I mean, it has the same effect. And so um, his advice to devotees, Patita Pavana said there will be mass poisoning and mass deception. And that was written in October 2019. You can go and find it. It's on the astrological newsletter by Patita Pavana in Bulgaria. Mm -hmm. And mass poisonings, you can see the mass poisoning going on. And you can see the mass deception going on also. It's wow. intricately, intricately planned. It's planned so well that it's sometimes I'm so amazed at how well planned it is that only God could have created it. In other words, on one level, you can say, oh, it's the demons, the rakshasas. But on a higher level, you have the devas, the demigods who are under Krishna doing yeah. these things. They are actually taking orders. They are, uh, the fact that Saturn, uh, Jupiter just moved back into Capricorn last week, the 13th. What has happened? The stock market just went down 600 points. The whole thing is being print, they're running printing presses 24 seven printing money so the money will be worthless. This is all a prediction of Prabhupada. I, I'm not saying these things. He said right. these things so many years ago. Now yeah. that if you go, you find people saying, buy silver, buy food. You find people saying that. But these are things he said 50 years ago. Yeah. So now we have to, we have to pay attention. And life will never go back to the way it was. Although it'll be different for different people. Some people, devotees won't perhaps suffer as much as a lot of other people, but they do need to be aware that Prabhupada predicted these things. He told us to get ready. And ultimately, of course, the way that we get ready is to surrender to Krishna and chant Hare Krishna and keep the kirtans going. That's what I tell my friends. Keep the kirtans going. It's the only weapon that's going to work.
No other weapon will work in Kali Yuga. It's yeah. Keep the kirtans, even if it's online, even if the, the, the demons have stopped all the Harinams and all the churches are closed. You think that's an accident? Why are the liquor stores open, but the churches are closed? Think about that for a minute, you know? Yeah. Why are yep. there, you know, this is, this is not about, this is not about a virus. This is a battle between good and evil. And the evil yeah. wants to take over, but it ain't going to win. But there will be some rocky times for five years or so. And that's, as I see it, Prabhupada is escorting us to the golden age. There's a choppy passageway, a dark passageway, but the time is coming very soon when the preaching will be very good. People will have lost everything. They will hear the message of Krishna consciousness. But it's important for us as devotees to hold that legacy, hold tight to Srila Prabhupada's lotus feet, hold on to Krishna consciousness not get bewildered by the demon rhetoric by the the all of the what do you call it uh the mainstream media and all the stuff that they're out there you know yeah. this is this this has been done before you know this is this is not new it was done a hundred years ago in 1853 in england there were forced you know uh uh medical treatments that killed a lot of people. Mm -hmm. They were forced in 1853. And there were laws passed in 1904. In America, there was a mandatory, you know, uh, what? Yeah, so, you know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'm, I, I don't want to, I don't want to get into that too much. Yeah, yeah. Because that is truly a, a controversial issue. And, yeah. uh, to me, I see, for one thing, the astrologers have said at this time, it's like right before the Battle of Kurukshetra. Some astrologers have also said that the stars haven't been in this place, position, since 1423, at the time of the Tower of Babel in the Bible. Tower of Babel, they were trying to build a tower to go to the heavenly planets, and they all started talking different languages. I don't know if you know about that. You weren't raised No, I don't. Family. Okay, well, anyway, that's they're trying to go to all these planets and they're all talking different languages. They're all right. like bewildering. There's all this bewildering rhetoric that's coming out to confuse people, make people not know what is up and what is down. And we have to come back to basics. Don't listen to the rhetoric, listen to what Prabhupada had to say. And yeah. what he had to say was get ready get prepared, surrender to Krishna, pray to Lord Nishingadev, and get land, get food, get water, and be ready for yeah. the collapse of the Western civilization. Sorry Thank you for the bad news. No, 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 no. Thank you for sharing that. I know that's something that you, you find that it's important to share with the devotees. Uh, you know, I, I see your emails and things like that. So thank you for sharing that. I'd like to I'd like to um, switch gears a little bit and talk about um, your role as a Vaishnavi in the Hare Krishna movement. I know, um, like you said earlier, you feel like there was some 
uh, disrespect or some marginalization or or things like that when it came to uh, Vaishnavis and Hare Krishna movement. Can you talk a little bit about to our newer generation of Vaishnavis in uh, your experience of how you dealt with that? If you if you saw that or you felt that yourself, um, how would you how would you what you, would you say to the newer generation of of women in in ISKCON? Hmm. Well, I listened to one of your podcasts once that had three or four different women talking. And I was just astounded. That's all I can say. I I, I was astounded. I've never, I didn't witness or experience what they experienced. Wow. What I experienced was completely different. My experience, I was never abused. I was never mistreated. I was never either by Prabhupada or by anyone. Right. It was a different world, completely different. And when I hear some of the things that are happening or have happened to women, I'm just like flabbergasted. I'm completely flabbergasted. Because all it's doing is it's, it's, it's causing so much Prabhupada wanted a worldwide organization. He wanted people to chant and be happy. This is not how you chant and be happy. This is not how you raise children array around uh, an ideas that are abusive. So um, I did not no, I did not experience any of this. I did not experience the outrageous kind of humiliation. Uh, I, I just read something the other day by a uh, uh, god sister of mine. Uh, her name is Ram Baru. Yeah, I, I had, had her on the podcast. Speak. Yeah. I had heard her speak at, at once in Houston, and I was so impressed by what she had to say. I thought, well, yeah. I'm glad I came to this festival. She was the best speaker in the whole festival. But then I read something that she had written back in 2004, and I was so shocked and horrified. Yes, I've read that too. She went through. Oh, I mean, it was like bewildering to me. And I don't, I don't understand. I mean, I guess this is. There is no question that the dark forces have tried to undermine Sula Prabhupada's mission. That's just a given. That's what always happens. You have a great saint or son of God or great personality, Acharya, come to the material world and give wonderful teachings. And immediately, as soon as he turns his back or leaves, the demons are running around behind him trying to mess up the road, trying to like, like destroy the path that he so clearly laid out. That's how yeah. I see it. And I think, I think that um, I think the younger generation uh, sees a lot of this because there a lot of them are a lot more evolved than they're much Prabhupada was saying how the demigods are lining up to take birth in this movement mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard that haven't you yeah yes and it's true and and so from the children of your children pure devotees will be coming out that's one of the things that I'm sure you've also heard haven't you yes well, think People are not born with the same mentality. Someone who is born with a a higher understanding 
it's going to see through things. And that's what's happened with a lot of the youth. They go, this don't make no sense. This is nuts. You know, that's what a lot of them think. And they walk away or they run away or they turn right. their back on it, which is really unfortunate because those are the ones we're waiting for, the higher souls to come in. I mean, you know, we did the best we could. We were raised in a normal American culture eating hamburgers. What can I say? I don't right. know about you. You raised Indian. You're probably a little bit better, you know. But <laughs> my um, parents are devotees, so yeah. You know, it's 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 uh, it's a very. Uh, I I think a lot of these things are going to be. A lot of ISKCON will be changed. However, the picture that I sent you, the painting in my living room. Oh, beautiful painting. Okay, that is the dream. That is the Prabhupada. That is the dream I had shortly after he left this world. It's called the World Acharya. And I was told in the dream to take color notes and, and paint it. It's, I don't know if you can put it on your screen or not. It would be nice if you could. Oh, I and, could. Let me try um, to do that. And, and what it is, is Prabhupada is sitting on Vyasasan and the whole world is reaching and pointing and looking toward him. And the devas are dropping flowers. And in the dream, there was like a, a close-up. You know how a zoom lens will go in? And at the base where Prabhupada's lotus feet are, and you can hardly see it in the painting, is in jewels and in the dream you could, is the word iskan and in oh, the man. dream i realized i realized that iskan is Prabhupada's vahana just like lord shiva rides a bull lord ganesh he rides a rat lord vishnu rides a garuda iskan unfortunately it's in the dream was really sparkly but you can only do so much and the artist who, who did this painting Sachidananda, great Russian artist. Amazing. Uh, Iskan is actually an eternal entity. It's not a conglomerate of managers. It may look that way, but it's not. It's mm. actually a, Prabhupada's vahana for doing his work in this world and his books. And his books are the main thing he came to do. And that's why it's so important that we not mess with those books. We not alter them in any way. Right. It's, it's, it's probably the worst thing that, that, that has happened. Worst thing that, you know. Really? Is. You think that's so the, the worst thing? Absolutely. Because wow. it destroys the future. It destroys the movement for the future. It's the worst thing because Prabhupada often said, Krishna just told me, just go to the material. He, I didn't want to go, he said. But Krishna told him, just go there and write some books and come back. You know, you've heard yeah. that, haven't you? Yes. Well, he wrote the books. He spoke them. I would sit out. Sometimes I'd wake up early in the morning, and I would sit outside with the, it was a curtain on the, on the kitchen door, and I would sit and I would listen to him translating. These are his words. They're his words. How can you change them? How can you, as a conditioned soul, how dare you take those words and change them to what you think they should be? And besides that, 
Prabhupada had a great command of English language. I can tell you one time of a terrible thing that I did. I corrected him on something. Srila Prabhupada was going to go and uh, uh, the materialistic demeanor cannot possibly, you know, the, the preface he on his record album, right? Yeah. So I typed it up, the, the one by his group, ours, cannot possibly stretch to the transcendental autocrat. We all know what I'm talking about. Right. So I typed it up and then he he spoke it. He wanted he's practicing. So he had me type it and then he spoke it a couple of times. He read the whole thing because he was going to be reading it uh, uh, for his record album. So there's one word in there. Uh, analogously. And I very timidly, respectfully said, Srila Prabhupada, I think that word is pronounced analo uh, analogously. Right. And he, in, analogously, that's the American pronunciation. Right. And he said, you pronounce it your way and I'll pronounce it my way. And I never <laughs> dared. <laughs> wow. Where, worm crawling out of room <laughs> very <laughs> quietly <laughs> right so so the point is this we don't correct our spiritual master even if our intentions my intentions were good my intentions were oh i want him to sound the best possible i you know but that's not the way it works you just yeah. don't do that and so i learned that in 1968 so I don't think some of my God brothers have learned that. And I'm, I think it's unfortunate. Uh, I think maybe their intentions are good. We want to make it sound better. Just like I did. I wanted it to sound better, but you just don't do that. Mm -hmm. And aside from that, when Prabhupada was here, many scholars appreciated his books. They were greatly appreciated. And now some of those scholars won't even have their, they won't have anything to do with them because they are not uh, considered authentic. You go and take them to a university and you tell them that it's been posthumously edited and they'll, you'll find out that you can't do it like that and right. not put the, the editor's name on the, on the front cover. There are rules for these things. And right. you just can't do that. It's not. It's not done. It's, it's unethical. Anyway, so that's that's uh, that's my experience of trying sure. to be the well, the good, well-intentioned uh, corrector. Right. Uh -uh, you can't do that. <laughs> right. So um, I wanted to ask you a little bit also about um, if you could talk to the. Um, Besides the point about, uh, you know, of what's happening in the world and things like that, your message to the ISKCON movement right now, uh, what do you think we should move towards? I know you said farm communities and, and, and things like that. Uh, that's very extremely important. What else do you feel is important to say to the ISKCON society or the Hare Krishna movement in, in general? Because now it's with this online media, it's been even broke beyond the borders of ISKCON. Now it's to all other Hare Krishna, Gaudiya devotees. So what would you say? Hmm. 
Chant Hare Krishna. Keep Kirtan going. Right. Stop arguing. Just chant because <laughs> all of these petty, all these petty little arguments that go on. Oh, this, 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 this. When the bombs start flying and the cities blow up, they ain't gonna mean anything. But mm. what's really gonna work is the kirtan. Kirtan is the only weapon in this Kali yeah. Yuga. And you know what? We're so fortunate. Srila Prabhupada used to say, in the future, people will say that this Hare Krishna movement saved the world. And I used to wonder, save the world from what? Save the world from transhumanism. Save the world from uh, horrible stuff that would otherwise take place. Yes. Right. The, the big plans, the great, you know what? Uh, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Reset yeah. thing. Right. Um, all of this was foreseen. All of this was was a part of the destiny of this world. And this Hare Krishna movement has saved the world from this. And I only in the last year have I come to understand what Prabhupada meant when he would say this, that in the future, people will say this Hare Krishna movement saved the world. Wow. Keep the kirtans going. Never mind the politics. Stay away from the medical tyranny. Just keep the kirtans going. That's yeah. all I can say. And Krishna is going to, it's already in the works. It will, as Prabhupada clearly said, it will all be finished in 50 years. He said that in, 2000, in 1973. So add 50, that's 2023. And the astrologers say the same thing, amazingly. And I'll be finished wow. very quickly. So well, this is not negative. This is actually a blessing. It could be much, much worse if Prabhupada had not come yeah. and rescued the world. Much, much worse. Definitely. Well, Govinda uh, Dasi Prabhu, thank you so much for <laughs> joining me here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really appreciate you taking the time and, and coming here and, and uh, sharing your story and sharing what you uh, feel is important that for devotees to hear in this time in 2021. And uh, I hope I can have you on again and we can talk about um, some other, any other topics. But um, I just wanted to ask you, I'm very curious, you're, you said your mother um, donated, you know, left you with 160 acres. Is, so is that where you are right now? And you're trying to make that into a a farm is that is that what's happening yes 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 wow. do you have anyone helping you there or you're uh, new name is sharanya new name is sharanya is the name i've given it uh, okay no, i'm all alone i'm a little old lady 75 in the middle of the wilderness <laughs> wow uh, but uh I, I i feel i'm sorting out uh, estate issues legal issues and okay. i keep asking krishna well uh how, when where are the people coming? Did you say? <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, um, so I, I mean, it's not what I would have chosen. I love Hawaii. I lived in Hawaii for well, he sent us in there in '69, and of course, I, I sometimes spent time with my mother. I took care of her for 13 years, flying back and forth to Hawaii. 
Okay. But it became obvious this it became obvious what's happening in the world. So I recently sold my place in Hawaii. Okay. So that I'm here. You know. Okay. And yeah, wow. it's like uh um uh, I'm, I'm, I don't know how much time there is to actually put things together, but there right. are a few devotees, believe it or not, who have farms. Padma Garba has a farm in Washington State. Uh, Sadananda has a farm in Texas. Uh, I think there's a few other devotees who kind of broke away from the mainstream back many years ago. I think Nutama has a farm also in Washington State. Uh, mm -hmm. Lady Anutuna. So there are other devotees. There are devotees who have farms. Yeah. And that are already up and running. Mine's not. It's not up and running. Uh, right. But at least I'm not in the city. So yeah. I think what has to happen is you just get out of the cities, band together with a few devotees who your friends, like-minded people, and and and. And be be ready. You can always go back to the city if it doesn't happen, or if there's still the city is still there. Right. But if, uh, if, but did say that hmm? he no, did no, say no, the sorry. cities yeah. would be nothing but but twisted metal and what did it say? I think somebody will have to find that on. I haven't seen it. I've only heard it from my brothers sisters that he yeah. said the cities would just be uh, rub, concrete rubble and twisted metal or something like that. I wow. never, I've never, I never heard that, but from him directly. The things I heard directly are the things that I wrote in my offering. The things that I heard directly with my own ears were, there will be no food in your cities. The pet dogs will run in packs and hungry. They will attack and eat the people. He said this. Your cities will be bloodbaths. Uh, your money will become useless like their toilet paper. It had no value. Uh, these are things I heard with my own ears when I was 20 years old and wow. I kind of filed them away and now I'm seeing at that time America was a very rich country it was 1970s yeah. we, we were driving around in spaceships you know big cars with fins yeah. that got 10 miles to the gallon or something it's a very rich country so I didn't question him i just listened and absorbed it and now that i'm seeing how these things can actually play themselves out if if um devotees want to get in contact with you could i share your email address with them sure yeah sure okay um, Prabhup, i'm going to post it up on the screen yeah. it's right there on the yeah, screen that's, that's my devotee email Yes, prabhupadas.govindadasi at gmail.com. If you want to get in touch with uh, Govindadasi Prabhu, you can get in touch with her uh, through this email. If you want to correspond with her or ask her anything about that, what she's discussed here on the podcast, it's here up on the screen. For those who are listening to just the audio, it's prabhupadas, so prabhupada with an S, dot govindadasi, one word, at gmail.com. So, um, Thank you again, uh, Govindadasi Prabhu, for joining me. I really appreciate it. And uh, please stay. Uh, do you have any last, uh, any any final statements before we end here? Thank you for keeping things going like this. Your podcast is very interesting, 
and it brings people together. Thank you Thank for you. doing this. Thank, Thank you, you for so making much. this your service. It's it's very valuable. Very very Thank you. valuable. Thank you. It it means so much when a devotee of your caliber and of your history and uh, you're a, a legend in our movement and 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 saying you saying that really means a lot. And thank you so much. I really appreciate it. So please please stay on. I'm going to just turn off the recording. Uh, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Take care, Hari Krishna. Have a great rest of your evening. Hari Bol. Hari Krishna. Hari Bol. Hare Krishna, Hare.